It's Monday, May 16th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from income investor James Early and from million dollar portfolio Ron Gross. Guys, good to see you. Good, good to, to see you, Chris. Chris. Earnings news from JCPenney and surprising news from Disney, those in a moment. But first, the United States has reached new heights, just not the good moon landing type of heights. Today, the federal government officially hit the $14.3 trillion debt ceiling. The government is suspending some investments and taking measures that will delay the practical impact until August 2nd. James Early, I will pick on you first. What is the practical impact for consumers and investors? Chris, let me say like this. The U.S. having a debt ceiling is like an alcoholic saying he plans to stop drinking after eight drinks. It's not going to happen because this is not a real limit. This is sort of this fake paper uh, ceiling that, that the U.S. continues to extend. I think it's done 72 times. 74. Since, 74 times since 1962. So on paper, it is a dead ceiling. And in the short term, Congress will have to scramble to do something, either you know come up with some money somehow or, or cut a few things. But long term, it's ultimately just going to ex- raise the dead ceiling. We've maxed out our credit cards. We're just going to raise our spending limit. Ron? Yeah, to James's point, we've raised the limit 10 times since um, 2001. So this is not something that's new to us. And, and we really have no choice, um, and, and I wish the, the posturing would, would cease. We either can cut spending, raise taxes, default on our debt, which is unthinkable, or we can raise the debt ceiling. Um, it's going to happen eventually. Uh, let's stop playing games and, and, and just do what we have to do. James. And Chris, the big story for consumers and for investors here is, is the U.S. spinning its way out of recession, or are we spinning our way into a position of lower competitiveness in the global currency markets? That's the real question. So um, August 2nd, I guess, I, I guess we can expect Congress to just sort of get right up to the deadline before they, they work this out? That's likely. I mean, this is a weird situation, but I just can't imagine that we would actually go into default, which would be the next step if we actually didn't start making payments on, on some of these these liabilities. And that would be just a disaster. I think they'll do something. And so, I mean, if, if I don't make payments to my credit card company, I mean, eventually, you know, some huge guy comes to my front door. What I mean, what happens to us? That's a good question, because we are the U.S. The huge guy is China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're saying we don't want the, the huge guy from China coming to our front door on August 3rd? I think I think not. I mean, the repercussions. I mean, we're talking bond markets, stock market crashes, recession, high interest rates. I mean, disaster. Moving on to JCPenney, which reported better than expected earnings thanks to strong sales of its exclusive merchandise, as well as some cost cutting. Ron, uh, what was your take on the earnings? So the headline seemed pretty good, and the stock actually popped uh, bright and early this morning. But and now it's pulled back because once you kind of peel away the curtain, you can see that the profit uh, increase was really largely due to uh, a reduction in pension expenses. Um, so it wasn't really that the company you know, is doing significantly better and made more money. Um, some good things, uh, comp, same-store sales are up uh, 3.8%, which is nice. And the company's doing a good job of cutting expenses, um, bring, bringing in some exclusive merchandise like Claiborne or um, from the, the Mango, the international uh, clother, clothing manufacturer. Um, they're trying to appeal to younger shoppers. Sephora's uh, done well for them. Uh, but they, they've got a long way to go. Um, the activist investor, Bill Ackman, um, was very influential here in kind of getting them to get their act together. And I think that's why we've seen a, a nice jump in the stock this year. 
but they've, they've got a long way to go because the competition is plentiful. I was going to say, I mean, the, the stock's up about you know 40% or so over the last year, but you look at it, James, over the last five years, and it, it really hasn't done well at all. Chris, JCPenney occupies a really weird niche that I, I see is just, just winnowing over time. It, you can get fashionable clothing now at almost any price. You can go to Nordstrom's or Macy's and pay uh, more for upscale stuff where you can get it on sale either at those same stores or at like a Marshall's. Uh, but, but for people who... I guess don't want to buy stuff on sale, want to pay full price for sort of less fashionable clothing, there's JCPenney and, and there's Kohl's. So it's sort of this weird niche, and I just, I just don't understand it. I don't see it being that great as a long-term investment. Ron, you mentioned the competition. I mean, who, who out there among retailers is um, being kept awake at night because of JCPenney? Is anyone <laughs> afraid? I mean, it's a, it, it's a well-known brand in terms of, I think, people just sort of recognizing the brand, but... Um, it doesn't seem like it's striking fear in the hearts of others. I think that's a fair statement. I think it, it still is the anchor store, the anchor mall in, in, in anchor store in some malls around the country. Mm. So by virtue of that, it is the place where people go. But you, when you have Kohl's or Target as an option, or even Walmart online, um, as, as James was saying, I, they don't really differentiate themselves in any major way. So what's the big opportunity for them going forward? How do they... How do they turn it around? Chris, I drove past JCPenney this past weekend, and I think they should open up their parking lot for use by driving schools because there's plenty of room. (laughs) And finally, just two days after SEAL Team 6 took out Osama bin Laden, the Walt Disney Company took out the trademark for SEAL Team 6. According to documents on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website, Disney filed for trademark applications for the phrase SEAL Team 6 on May 3rd. Guys, to help us out with this thorny legal issue, we are bringing in a special guest, The Motley Fool's Chief Legal Officer, Mr. Lawrence Greenberg. Lawrence, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for being here. here. Um, This seems like kind of a reach, kind of a disconnect, the the notion that Disney would trademark SEAL Team 6. I mean, uh, why? Why and how? Well, I think there are a couple things going on. And the first question that you asked is why, and the short answer is Money. Money, right. Sure, of course. Uh, and the, um, the longer answer is that trademark is a, something that lots of people see, but not so many people understand. It's a, it gives a user, the holder of a trademark, the exclusive right to use that trademark for specific purposes. In the case of Disney and SEAL Team 6, assuming that the trademark is ultimately granted by the Patent and Trademark Office, they will be able to use that mark for toys and games, video games, snow globes, clothing, various other things like that. On the website, they put together a list which includes Christmas stockings and tree ornaments. That's right. And there are two things to remember related to that. First, trademark is enforced by the courts, not by SEAL Team 6. (laughs) And, And secondly, that it is for commercial use in those areas in order to avoid confusion. So the relevant market here, the place that Disney is trying to prevent competition from, Mm -hmm. is not the United States Navy. It's Hasbro or or other toy makers or or other people who might be trying to compete in these areas. James? Now, Lawrence, let me ask you this. Now, as as a taxpayer, you know, I find it kind of gauche that Disney would try this because, and this is a taxpayer-funded 
enterprise and, and, and moreover, the, sort of the, the brand name, if you will, was built up by these brave men and women, or men, I guess, uh, who, who have no connection to Disney. So, so it just seems like they've, somebody else has built the brand, and now Disney is trying to step in and, and, and capitalize on it. Does that matter in the eyes of the law? Well, if you're asking whether the law prevents gauchery, the answer is, is <laughs> clearly, clearly not. no. Uh, the military has filed for some trademarks. The uh, United States Marine Corps name and the USMC logo is, is a trademark. Uh, SEAL Team 6 is certainly a legend that has been built by you know, tremendous exploits of bravery. But first, it's not obvious that the name actually exists in anything other than an informal way. The, the unit that went into um, Pakistan wasn't formally named SEAL Team 6. So, yes, I think there's a, a good deal of tackiness here. But to a certain degree, the people who would be enforcing it from a, from a moral sense are invisible <laughs> and need to be. So it may be that the, the people who really can stand up and make a fuss are not people who are members of you know the naval special forces and in fact are are people like say you so i'll stand outside the toys r us and threaten to punch anyone who buys a seal team <laughs> six product you know as counsel for the motley fool <laughs> i have to advise you against that well, or my fool lawrence shirt. is it possible that the patent office would not have a problem with the, the six part of this because the government hasn't even said that 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 team exists but the word seal seems to be similar to the word army or the word marines and and that would be a problem well i think the that would be more likely to be a problem if there were to create some likelihood of confusion so does the use of the trademark on the snow globes or on the games or on the Christmas stockings or the little kids' pajamas. Uh, and there is something a little daunting also about military uniforms as, as children's pajamas, perhaps. Or Christmas stockings. Perhaps you're not familiar with Hasbro's G.I. Joe. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Okay. I believe you. It's not likely to create confusion as to who is providing these goods. People aren't going to think... Or maybe, I mean, you can always find some people who will think something, but they're not going to think that, ah, I am patronizing the SEALs in purchasing my snow globe. Got it. So, again, I think this was a reach by Disney, but regardless, if you could trademark anything, and I'll start with you, Ron, and it can be anything about you personally, or just in the case of Disney and SEAL Team 6, it could be something that you are not remotely connected to. <laughs> what would you trademark? Oh, I'm going to take gauchery to a new level, and I'll be trademarking the United States of America. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't, aren't, aren't Every we... dollar bill I get a little cut of from now on. Wow. That is gauche. James? Can it be flatulence related? <laughs> Please. Speaking of gauchery. Further, but I have a different alarm clock, and I don't want anybody to copy it. So. <laughs> Lawrence, what about you? Oh, uh, following on Ron, I'll go with China. You're just, you're just going to trademark China? Sounds good to me. <laughs> We've got some serious capitalists in this room. All right. Ron Gross, James Early, special guest, Motley Fool's chief legal officer, Lawrence Greenberg. Guys, thanks very much for being here. Thank thanks, you, Chris. Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.